Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Josie Via Gomez joining us from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. She's a domestic abuse survivor and business owner. Hi, Shelly. It's so good to see your face. (laughs) We haven't seen each other since eighth grade, so this is pretty fun. Yes, it is. I'm super excited to get into this. So I'm going to start with I was born in California. Um, I have family in like Pasadena, but I was born in California. My mom, I'm the youngest of four. She had three kids before me. Okay. Um, After I was born in California... I was six weeks old and we decided to, well, not me, my mom decided to (laughs) travel us all back up to Minnesota where she was living um, and had stable home for us there. So that's where we went. So six weeks old, I'm traveling already (laughs) and going back to Minnesota, but I was born in California. Um, My mom had, like I said, three kids before me. My mom is mixed um, and my dad is white, but my brothers and sisters that were before me, all their dads were black. And so I was like the only white girl in my family, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I did not know at that time, I, I, I didn't have a relationship with my father like growing up, mm-hmm. things of that nature. For some reason, um, I didn't have a relationship with him. Um but my mom, you know, she did the best that she could with the kids that she had. She was a single mom. Right. Um, but she was in relationships that were abusive, too, you know. And so a lot of that, like, we've seen that as kids. Um, I saw a lot of violence yes. growing up. Yeah. Physical, yeah. emotional. Yeah. Just like verbal. a toxic, chaotic environment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we grew up with. That was our normal Um, Right, But my mom, like when we were younger, she was into church. She was a Sunday school teacher. So we were kind of brought up with the, you know, relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah. And that was like the only real stable thing in our life. You know, our home was, you know, marked with just abuse from other men, you know, from that my mom was dating or whatever the case may be. The father of her children were not involved. Okay. Um, and so she did a lot on her own. She worked a lot. Um, she always had two jobs. Um, she did the best that she could, you know? Yeah. But with that, being a single mom, we moved a lot. Like every six months we were moving. Um, different rentals? Mm-hmm. Different rentals or just wherever we could go. My mom worked for the school board. Mm-hmm. So in the summers, she would have the summers off. So during the summer months, they were hard for her financially. Right. So, so yeah, like really hard. <laughs> right. Uh, because she didn't get paid, you know. Um, so in the summers, we would either travel, like we just get in her car and we drive around the United States and just travel. We travel a lot back and forth from California because we had family in California. Um, Is your mom there- from there originally from California? Um, we just have family there. Like my grandma, which is my mom's mom at that time lived in California. 
Okay. Um, and she, my grandma loved California. That was like her go-to. So <laughs> she loved being in California. So we would go down and visit her or, you know, my family, they had like farms in Mankato and Rochester in Minnesota. Um, and we have a big family. So my mom would like bring us there for the summer and we would like stay on the farms all summer or wherever we could be placed at during the time that she was struggling financially right. to keep us stable during the summer months, you know? Yeah. So a lot of instability, um, right. like growing up like that, you know, yeah. just moving all the time, you know? Um, and then I think around the time, you know, we grew up mainly in North Minneapolis. Okay. Um, area you know and there were times that we would stay in like condemned homes condemned homes like nobody okay. was supposed to live there and we would oh, kinda, wow okay we would like squat there you guys would squat okay like when we were younger and how was that scary for you or how did that feel for you it was scary there were times where we didn't have like running water or no heat or, you know, we wouldn't have hot water. Um, there were times where we would just, you know, we did anything that we could to survive at that time. And um, we would heat water up on the stove sometimes to take baths. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. But we like really stuck together and just kind of held each other up through it. Me, my siblings um, and my mom, my aunt was really involved in our life as well, but she had kids too. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of us all the time, you know. The, the so, kids from your your cousins and you. And, yeah. 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 Yeah, like our cousins and my siblings and, and my mom, you know, she worked a lot, but there was a lot of us and, you know. Um, so yeah, that's a majority of my childhood was kind of marked with that. A lot of instability, a lot of moving around a lot, a lot of, Kind of living in survival mode, you know? Right, right. So, and I think around the time that we met, my mom um, had an opportunity to move out to, like, Hopkins area. Right. And we found, like, an apartment there. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment, and there were six of us around the time that I met you. Um, so you shared a room with your brothers and sisters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like me and my, it would be like me, my mom, my sister, and then the boys would have a room, mm -hmm. you know, like that. But it yeah. was just an apartment. We didn't have much space. You yeah. Know? And yeah. So, but we were thankful, you know, to yeah. have a roof over our head. Like, oh my gosh, we have a year lease. Like, this is amazing, you know? Yeah. You're just the <laughs> gratitude of like having to squat and then having an apartment. And you're like, I share a room with my brothers and sisters this is unbelievable I shared yeah. with my sister too for like 12 years it can be challenging but yeah <laughs> you guys did it I I know that your mom has a lot of love I always loved your mom she just oh. has such a bright light yeah. just a beautiful person yeah thank you <laughs> yeah she could always like find the good in things and then yeah just, she taught us really how to be strong and yes times Yes. And be thankful and grateful for what we do have, no matter if it was a little bit or a lot, you know, she really taught us that. And she taught us how to be strong and survive through all circumstances and, and 
to never let go of love for people and uh, yeah loving on each other you know oh it's amazing so <laughs> that's that's how my life started I I would say too it was it was really hard for me because like my brothers and sisters like they all knew their dad they knew where they came from yeah and for me that was missing you know and and that kind of internalized inside of me and um kind of manifested in some of my behaviors as I came into my teenage years of life you know um just trying to like figure out where I fit in your identity exactly like Mm -hmm. I think I was just born in an identity crisis like the first six years of my life I was on the road traveling you know and right (laughs) you know and then just like trying to find stability without knowing where I came from and yeah, it brought a lot of confusion for me. So at the age of 13, um, I asked my mom, like, can I meet my dad? Like, this yeah. is something that I really want, you know, and she, I asked her that for many years, even when I was younger. Um, and she would always tell me, like, when you get older, when you get older, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when you can understand more than um, and so when I was 13, that then it became time on my 13th birthday. I met my dad mm-hmm. um, and I was so happy that, to be able to do that because I felt like, okay, now I have like a piece of me that was missing for mm-hmm. so long, but now I can say, this is my dad. This is, right. this is where I come from, you know, like, you know, as you can imagine, like siblings are mean, they can tease you and, you know, I, yeah. Am I adopted? You know, I didn't look like anybody. Yeah. I was noticeably different than everybody, you know, and I, I used to think I was adopted. My my siblings would chime in on that and be like, yeah, you are adopted. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom just to tease me like, you're not adopted. We found you under a rock. Oh, you know, <laughs> like, stop it, Josie. We're your family, you know, like, <laughs> so, um. You know, and I I met my dad and I was so thankful for that moment. I remember being so excited for that. Um, And my immediate emotion after meeting him was anger. Uh, Yeah. He was, you know, a successful man. He had another family. Yeah. um, And he was actually married at the time that my mom got uh, pregnant with me. Wow. Basically, my mom was like his mistress, Uh you know, um, and I came out of that, you know? Um, and so for me, my my next reaction after meeting him was just anger. I felt abandoned. I felt neglected. I felt like, why would you leave me? Like I've, you know, I've, most of my childhood has been very rough. Like right. I, and you, like, and you guys yeah. struggled and struggled. Yeah, and he, it sounds like he had money and he could have helped out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm squatting and, yeah. you know. We don't have places to sleep. That yeah. I understand the anger. Yeah. So sure. then, yeah. yeah. So it was it was frustrating because I'm like, why would you why would you leave me? You know, and um, I didn't know how to express my emotions back then. I think right. I felt those emotions and then I acted on them. You know, it wasn't uh, feel your emotions and then talk. Let's talk about it and let's, right us it and have our conversation there was none of that because the majority of my life I had to live in survivor mode so it wasn't about right. my emotions right you were surviving you didn't have time to process everything yes. 
You yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Because if you, you sat on it and processed it's like you had to keep going. You had to, you know. Exactly. So, like, I, I didn't have time to, I didn't have a release for getting through, the, like, the emotional side of my life. It was right. just, do what you have to do, you know, nobody cares, and keep it keep it moving. You know, that was my mindset back then. Like, mm-hmm. people live their own lives. They have their own things that they're dealing with. Yeah. What you're going through, you have to figure it out, and you just keep moving, you know? Right. When you were in school and dealing with, you know, having to squat and then stability, did you share that with other students or people, or did you keep that private? Like, how... how- I think I kept most of it private, you know, especially when we moved out to like Hopkins area, like right, wealthier area, a lot of (laughs) a lot of people at our school we went to had a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't have that. Um, There were times that I would come to school, I haven't showered in five days, you know, like so. I thought you always looked good. Actually, I was like (laughs) Josie's hair. Like I, I felt like you just presented yourself. So well, I honestly, I honestly did. Like I was like, her hair always looks good. Her makeup looks good. <laughs> I used to try to like whip my hair up in any style that I could to hide the fact that I haven't washed it in a week. Oh, I thought you always looked good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there there came a lot of like shame and embarrassment when it came to like my friends, and I was always my mom be like find a friend to go to like find somebody's house that you could go to that you can eat sometimes or find somebody that you can spend the night at because I can't have you home this weekend or you know whatever the case may be you know like I had to even in in those times of school I was looking for people to be around that could help me that could maybe feed me a meal you know when I go to their house and maybe I can eat at their house or you know, get out of where I was so that I could do something different and see something different because I've always been like adventurous and just, you know, wanting to do something new and yeah. a thrill seeker. You know? <laughs> so I was always like down to do anything with anybody. Um, yeah. During those times. Yeah. You were always so kind and open to people. That's like what I remember about you. I was always like, Josie's so kind. And she just, yeah. This has a great, great energy to her. I loved it. Like, I, no judgment on anybody. Like, I just loved people and just being around different types of people. That was like, I love that, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, but I didn't share a lot of what was happening at home because a lot of it came with embarrassment and just like you felt ashamed about it or? Yeah. 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 And a lot of people had like whole families there. Like, oh, I have a mom and a dad. And I'm like, what? But like, what is that even like? The nuclear family. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I play sports. And I'm like, okay, like, what is that like? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Being able to, that's so expensive too, just to be able to have your kids in extra activities and mom and dad are able to pick them up. And and you're, you're just trying to survive eating. You're trying to find a place to sleep. It's a total, and then you're trying to do school at the same time. Yeah, and trying to do school at the same time, and it's crazy. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and not being able to go home and um, really focus on the things for my future, but just still be in survival mode. You know, I spent a lot of my childhood like that. Yeah, 
So after Hopkins, like we moved pretty quick. I don't even yeah. think we made it a full year out there. I don't think you were there <laughs> full year. I was like, what happened to Josie? And I was so excited when I connected with you on Facebook. I'm like, she was one of my favorite people from junior high school. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah, we didn't make it a full year out there. I think we gave my mom a hard time too, because I'm like, she tried to do the best that we can, like setting us up where somewhere where it was not in poverty stricken areas just right. to give us you know some type of hope and some type of light that not to live like that you know um but i think we gave her a hard time because we felt like we didn't fit in at all that like we didn't feel like anybody related to us we didn't yeah. feel like we could be open and honest with people that we were judged that you know a lot of things happened so what happened was my mom had met this guy um, that she fell in love with and um, you know started a relationship with and none of us kids really got along with him mm-hmm. and we kind of moved like we stopped coming home because you know she had this guy so we would yeah. just go stay at friend's house for long extensive periods of times or we would just go run the streets and do whatever and um, um, she ended up moving to Wisconsin with this man and trying to get a home set up for us in Wisconsin, but none of us wanted to go. Yeah. And so during the time that she moved to Wisconsin, she left us in Minnesota. Um, but she said that she was going to like set up a place, like get a job over there, get a home for us there. So we could all move there. None of us wanted to go. Who did I leave you with? Well, I like my brothers and sisters, they could go to their family, but I didn't like, I didn't have a dad's side of the family because like I said, I was like the mistress child. And so his family, a lot of them didn't know about me. Yeah. And so, um, I just, I didn't know them and you know, I understand their position in the situation. I'm sure it was very devastating for them to find out about me, you know? So um, I would just go with my best friend. I would okay. just stay at her house, you know. So during that time, I was staying at a at my best friend's house and just kind of running the streets. And you know, back yeah. then we could just go be with friends. The nineties, yes, <laughs> running the streets for yes, yeah, and just go be with friends and kind of hang out and spend the night at my friend's house. I was really couch surfing. I would go from like friend to friend. Um, stay wherever I could, get clothes, trade clothes with people, um, just really do what I, whatever I, I could do, yeah. you know, to survive. Yeah. Um, I learned how to hustle around that time. Yeah. Um, and like selling weed and yeah, you know, doing whatever I could do, um, yeah. to survive and make some money, um, and things like that. And I met this guy named Tony. He was like my very first boyfriend at that time. And he was kind of dealing with a lot of the same things I was dealing with. Like yeah. his, his family wasn't in addiction. And, yeah, um, you know, he just was in survival mode too, trying to survive. We were very young, young teenagers at that time. Uh, but we were all in the streets. You know, I, I found friends that were in the streets like me that taught me how to hustle, that taught me how to survive on the streets and yeah do whatever we got to do you know yeah so a lot came with that a lot of you know I started drinking Mm -hmm. I started 
doing street jugs. I started, you know, smoking weed every single day, uh, running with crowds of people that were like gang involved, like mm-hmm. all all type of different things. Um, yeah. Came out of that, you know, and and um, I just developed this attitude, you know, during that time too. My mom came back to get us. Um, after leaving us for a few months, she came back to get us and put us in the car, made us drive to Wisconsin. This is going to sound really crazy, but we, the guy that she was with had a pickup truck. And so there wasn't even room for us to drive in his pickup truck. And so we had to lay in the back and we drove from Minnesota, Wisconsin in the back of a pickup truck. Whoa. (laughs) You're and you guys were laying down like so like yeah pulled over yeah we were like laying down and like trying to keep the the blanket over our head and (laughs) you know yeah um so we did that we made it back to wisconsin and then uh and we started a life in wisconsin and um it was difficult it was it was hard because we were then removed from everything we knew as life Mm -hmm. um and then placed in this new place and we didn't know anybody. Yeah. Uh, we didn't want to know anybody. Like we had these attitudes, like it's just us. So it was yeah. me, one of my, my sister, and then one of my brothers. Um, and we just, we just clung to each other. My mom was working two jobs, so she was never home. Yeah. Um, and then the relationship she had with this man ended, ended up failing. And so we moved back to Minnesota a few months later. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just so much. So, and my, and then after that, my mom fell into alcoholism and started drinking really, really hard. Like, and she, mm-hmm. like really bad, like every single day, um, she started drinking really hard. Uh, our house then you know, once we moved back to Minnesota, we moved over South Minneapolis. Yeah. Our house then became the party house. So, like, my mom was drinking a lot. She fell away from, like, her, her Christianity and her roots of that. And yeah. I think she just got to a point where she gave up, you know. And yeah. I think it's really hard to, to have all that pressure on a, on a mom. Oh, yeah. Her fighting so hard to do yes. what's right and, and not feeling like anything's working. Just saying. Right forget it. My kids are old enough to take care of themselves, and I'm yeah. just done, you know? Yeah. Um, and so she started drinking really heavily, um, and having parties, drugs and drinking. And, mm-hmm. and, um, that became our life throughout my high school years. Um, just partying so much and, and getting into a lot of different things, you know, and for me, that led to a lot of drug use, alcoholism, all that just all I wanted to do was escape whatever I was feeling inside I did not want to feel those things yeah so the party mode for me I was like let's do it let's go let's go you know yeah dump me up as much as you can (laughs) no I under you had so much trauma and there were so many things going on and they're yep I I completely understand yeah so that's basically like my childhood and my uh, early adolescence and uh, teenage years. Um, when I got into my 20s, I, you know, I was, I started working and trying to get more serious about my life. Like, yeah, 
I got to a point where I was just like, something has to change. Like, I'm not happy. I don't like my life. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had moved out from my mom. I got my own place. Um, but I was dealing with men that were not good for me. Like, they were yeah. into drug dealing. They were into gang activity, um, running the streets. And I did that for so long. I just yeah. felt that. I was meant for something more and meant meant for something different. And I knew something had to change. Yeah. Um, So at this point, like I had my own own place and I started working and I met another guy um, and I started partying with him. uh, And that's how we got to know each other. It was like just partying together. And then I got pregnant by him a year after knowing him. How old were you? I was 21, 21 at that time. Yep. And I got pregnant and then, um, I had a miscarriage and that scared me. Yeah, no problem. Um, it scared me. It was very difficult for me to deal with because, uh, I knew that once I got pregnant that like, I, I never wanted my kids to go through what I went through, yeah. um, as a child. And I wanted to be able to offer stability for my kids and, um, but I had a miscarriage my first time, six months after that, I got pregnant again and, um, by the same man. And, um, when I told him that I was pregnant, he did not want a child. And so, um, we had like a partying relationship with each other. So we weren't really serious with each other, mm-hmm. but for me, I, I, I couldn't go through with an abortion, um. Uh, I, I couldn't do it for me. Like there's no judgment, but I, I can't do that. No, nope, that's, I, I respect do. that. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's your choice. Yeah, exactly. And it's something for me. I, I, I couldn't even fathom the idea of, um, yeah. but that's what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to get an abortion. And, um, he was very angry when I told him that I was, uh, pregnant. It's like, uh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you did it too. Yeah. Like know. this is what happens. I remember, uh, being in his his basement and uh, him like he had these like uh, two doors and he locked me into this room um, they kind of like closed together like this it was kind of weird but he locked me in the room and he just started like throwing pictures at me and I was picked the pictures up and they're actually pictures of his daughter that he had before I was pregnant but his daughter died and so it was like pictures of his daughter in a casket. And he was wow. like, I'm not ready to have a child and you're not going to make me have a child. And he pulled out a gun. Wow. So, yeah. So I was like in shock because I didn't even know he had a kid before. And so I was like, okay, I'll get the abortion. Just like, let me tell him whatever he wants to hear. To and that get was, yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. To get myself. I've been, I've been there out of that situation mm-hmm. you know and he he was drunk at that time and he was waving you know the gun around he wanted to intimidate me he wanted me to be scared mm-hmm. um and I was <laughs> um and I got out of there and once I got out um I changed my number I I moved to a different address uh without telling him I quit that job I got a different job like I, I did everything to cut him off because I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have this baby on my own, you know, like, because I don't want that, you know, for my mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. And so 
Um, I cut him off completely. I didn't talk to him throughout my whole pregnancy. But at that point, I already knew his mom and his sister. Okay. And so they would like check in on me, you know, and I'm like, it's your, like, this is his daughter. And like, if you guys want to be a part of her life, have no problem with that. But I just don't want to be around him, you know? Yeah. Um, So after I had my first daughter, his mom and sister were involved and his mom took care of my first daughter. She was very good to my kids, all of them. She's a great grandma and I didn't have that growing up. And so it it meant a lot to me that my kids had family that loved them like that, you know? Yeah. So that was like a way to offer some type of stability and like grandparents because I didn't have that growing up. I had my grandma from my mom's mom, but she lived in California. So it wasn't like the, you know, you could see her every day or she could help out. Yeah. Watch you if mom had to work or something like that. Exactly. So then shortly after that, of course, my kid's dad, over time of his mom and sister being involved in my daughter's life, he was like, I want my family. I want my family. So he kind of wooed me back in and Mm -hmm. I want our family to work. I want us to be together. I want us to be a family. So we got back together. Um, Shortly after I got pregnant again, I got pregnant with a set of twins. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then I was pregnant with a set of twins, but I lost the twins. I was almost five so sorry. months. Yeah. I was almost five months when I lost them. And then after we got, I got through that and then I was on the depot shot and I got pregnant again. <laughs> so me and him were very fertile together. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I got pregnant again and I had a second daughter, my second daughter. And, you know, things were going okay. Um, after I had my second daughter though, like, um, it, it just got to be very, a toxic relationship between me and him. Mm. Like it, it became very country, became very controlling, mm. um, very like manipulative, like the emotional abuse, I would say started when I was pregnant with my second daughter. You know, like where it was like, I felt like I could not get away from him. I tried to leave him again mm-hmm. um, but when I had my second daughter uh, and it didn't work. He came, he found me at the apartment. He kicked my windows out Jeez. at the apartment building that I was at. Um, and it just became a very toxic, uh, abusive relationship. Scary. Sounds very, very scary. scary. <laughs> very scary. So I didn't learn my lesson then <laughs> and we got back together a third time and I had, um, I had my son, uh, my son was born and when he was 10 days old, he almost died. My son did. Wow. Of what? And he had a small bowel blockage and they couldn't find it. And so like his intestine twists around itself mm-hmm. and, you know, he almost died from that wow so he had to have like emergency surgery when he was 10 days old and I spent a couple weeks in the hospital with him so that was very hard I had postpartum depression really bad after that like it was extremely hard um but during the time of me having my kids I remained sober during those times I was very like I need something different for my kids. And so I have to do something different. I was yeah. very determined in that way. Like, yeah. you know, I, I only wanted one father for my kids. I only wanted, you know, um, stability and, you know, 
my kids to be have a happy home. Um, and so I thought, you know, I had this dream of what a family looked like and and I didn't know what it was, but I wanted it to be better than what I grew up in. And uh, I, I, it became like this, um, what other people could see. As long as other people could see that um, I have the same kid's dad, we live together, he's there with my kids, I can get through anything, even if he is abusive and, and mistreats me and, you know, puts his hands on me I can get through that as long as my kids have you know a stable home that was my mindset right it was so delusional I've seen a lot of people with that yeah you know it is so delusional so um after I had my son we got through him almost passing my son had six surgeries by the time he was five years old um and you know just trying to keep him alive and healthy and and all of my kids and you know things progressively got more and more abusive with my kid's dad um he was cheating on me he was uh beating me up he was emotionally abusive he was telling me i wasn't good enough i you know just everything unimaginable yeah isolating me would tell me like if I was have a conversation with a friend I was cheating on him like you know I I couldn't be around friends I couldn't be around family like completely isolating me Um, and me just kind of being lost in that and feeling super vulnerable with beating you down and when that happens sometimes exactly it's hard to get up from that exactly and his mom took care of the kids, like when I would work, mm-hmm. um, and I would have two jobs. I'm like, I'm doing exactly what my mom did, you know. When I said yeah. I wouldn't do this, but I was working, having two jobs. Um, you know, he didn't have stable work, um, so you know, he barely worked. And uh, did he use then? Was he yeah. drinking and mm-hmm. he was drinking and drugging, and um, he was doing MMA fighting. And so there's a lot that comes with that too. So he would be doing local fights. Okay. Um, and that's how he would make some of his money. Um, but nothing stable, you know. Right. But he also used that to intimidate me too, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and like his training and stuff. And um, so, yeah. So later down the line, uh, his mom uh, got sick. Uh, she got sick with cancer. And uh, she was heavily involved in my kid's life. Like, my kids love their grandma, and I love that they had their grandpa, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to move into her place the last year of her life just to kind of help her get through, just so her grandkids could be there with her. Um, But she fell really, really ill. She died shortly after we moved in. And um, it was really hard on my kids. And, and, um, it was really hard on their dad and he completely lost his mind after that got triggered and from it and just a lot of stuff came up yeah a lot of and the fights became more and more him putting his hands around my neck became more and more him pulling out guns on me became more and more like there would be times i'm cooking dinner and he's loading guns in the kitchen behind me you know and if i make one mistake then it could be an issue you know so And I would have to pretend and try to keep things happy. And it just, it, he barricaded us in that house at times. Um, 
it just, it, it was so abusive and it was so toxic. And it, my kids lived in fear every day. I lived in fear every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I tried to get away from him. Like I tried to yeah. leave. There were times that we, you know, towards the end, we started living in hotels. Like I pulled all my 401k out just because I didn't want him to know the extra money that I had. And I wanted oh, yeah. to leave, you know? Yeah. So. yeah. We would go stay in a hotel. Uh, we would change hotels every two days, me and my kids. Because... He couldn't find, so he couldn't find you and track you. Yeah, because he was following me to work, following me to my friend's house. He was following me to drop off the kids at school. Like, he would sit outside my mom's house. Like, it just became, like, every day was in fear. He would send me messages. I know what you're wearing. I know what you and the kids are wearing. I could take you out right now if I wanted to, like, trying to get away. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> I remember me and him's last fight, he like pushed me down a flight of stairs. He bit my face and I had this bite mark on my face and my lip was busted. And I I went to my mom and I was like, mom, like I need help. Like I need help to get away from him. I can't get away from him. And I remember, I'm sorry, I'm terrible. No, it's okay. I remember being so scared, you know? Yeah. And feeling like he's going to kill me. And he's going to kill my kids. Yeah. And um, he's lost his mind. Like, I don't even, I don't know him anymore. And um, he has nothing holding him together because his mom isn't there anymore. And right. So, like, stabilized was, him a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That was his rock. And so I remember my mom looking at me and saying, um, Chelsea, you're the only one who has your family together. You should do everything you can to make it work. Yeah. And, um, I knew right then and there that nobody could help me. And uh, I was scared, you know. The next day, I put my kids in the car. All we had was the clothes on our back. And I drove to Florida. And uh, I I didn't tell anybody. You left. You just got up. You just got up and you're like, I'm taking my kids. I'm saving my family. I'm not going to die. All I want to do is live. That's it. And that's all I want is to live, you know. And, um. I got in the car with my kids. It took us five days to drive to Florida. I had a track phone. We had no GPS. <laughs> we were old school, man. This is 2013, you know, but I was like, I don't have a GPS. I have a track phone with like minutes on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my car was a hoopty. Like we were wobbling the whole way down. <laughs> and um, I just, every, every state that I got through, I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to live, you know, I'm going to every state that we made it successfully through. I was on my knees thanking God that I was going to live, you know? Yeah. Um, and my dad lives in Florida. I didn't have a real good relationship with him back then, but I asked him if he could help me and he told me, come to Florida and I can help you. And I said, that's all you have to say because nobody at home can help me. I I don't think that, um, my mom meant any harm by that. I, I mm-hmm. think that, I think, I think my mom suffers from better woman syndrome. I think right. that, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't know, she's just not capable of helping me. You know, I don't think it's because she doesn't want to. Her intentions, but she, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like she doesn't know how to help me, you know? And so, um, I just got in the car and I drove and it took us five days to get here and I, I, 
was open my dad's door. I remember him coming in and then him just feeling so lost. Like, Josie, I didn't know any of this was going on. Mm-hmm. How come you didn't tell me? How come, like, you didn't tell anybody? But for me, I was so ashamed and embarrassed and felt guilty, you know. And um, my kids were suffering too. Mm-hmm. You know, they had just lost their grandma. They just lost their dad. They just lost everything they knew was life. Right ripped away from them. And I never wanted to do that to my kids, but that's what we had to do to survive. You, know? you did the right thing, girl. Yeah. Got out of there. That is a bold ass, brave move. Yeah. It was, I had no plan. Yeah. That, that takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of courage and you did yeah. it. Yeah. And it was hard. It was, it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my whole entire life, you know, but I know that it was the right decision. I just, I remember praying and and telling God that like, I'm scared and I don't know what to do and I have no plan. And I can hear something in my spirit saying, go, just go, just go, you know? And I did, I went, I went and my dad opened his doors to me and, you know, he wasn't there for me at the beginning of my life. But yeah. God put him in my life exactly when I needed him the most because he saved my life and he saved yeah. my kid's life. You yeah. Know? Like, and that means more to me than anything I went through because I survived everything that I went through. Yeah. You know? But, you know, that's why it's so important that we don't hold grudges, that we forgive people because people yeah. are just trying to survive just like us, you know, yeah. and, and that we, you know, let go of the things that hurt us because... Yeah. I don't know where I would be without my dad, you know, yeah. I'm so thankful for him, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I'm just so thankful that for our relationship now has flourished so much. Um, but, you know, coming down here and, and getting out of that situation, my dad, you know, not only did he open his doors for me, he helped me get stable and he told mm-hmm. me, you're going to stay here for 10 years. Otherwise, I can't help you. If you go back home, you're going to die. So you have mm-hmm. to stay here for 10 years. And I'm like, 10 years? <laughs> what? what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, I can't stay in one place for 10 years. That is crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I was just saying whatever, you know. Yeah. You're like, hi, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 10 years? Good God, that's a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea what that meant, you know. Um, and it's been 10 years this year. So <laughs> um, it's amazing. But, you know, when I got here, uh, I think that's when, uh, you know, like you said, like when you're in survival mode, you just, you keep going. You don't have yeah. time to process things. Yeah. When I got here, I had time to process things. And that's yeah. when a lot of things started coming up for me. Right. And as I looked at my children who were suffering bad, like my middle daughter was diagnosed with PTSD when we got here, her hair was falling out. She was having night terrors. She was scared her dad was going to find us because they witnessed all of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were so scared of him. They were living in fear. Even though we were 3,000 miles away, my kids were still living in fear. Yeah. Yeah. they didn't want to sleep in a room without me. We all yeah. slept together. We had nothing. We had a garbage bag of stuff when we got here. We had nothing but each other, you know? And yeah, I, um, I then understood more what my mom went through mm-hmm. for years trying to take yeah. care of us, you know, yeah. and, um, how hard it is to be a mom, 
you know, and the sacrifices that we make, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, my kids suffered a lot, you know, and all of this pain and emotion started rising up inside of me and I, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I started drinking heavily. Drinking was my go-to. I remember staying at my dad's and he had this huge liquor cabinet. I'm like, that's where you're going to find me, you know, like, mm-hmm. I just started drinking a lot, you know, and to the point where I had to hide it because I like, I still had to take care of my kids. We got a house down here. I had to take care of my kids. Um, but I, I, I started drinking a lot because I did not want to feel everything that I was feeling. Yeah. Because you know? I got here, I was safe. I was set up with a job. I, I got a job. I got a home. I got my kids in really good schools down here. Uh, and we started creating this life for ourselves. But the emotions of losing everything we knew as life, the emotions yeah. of, of being so far away from family that meant so much to us, yeah. feeling so isolated and alone here, like nobody understands us. Yeah. Um, they don't, they haven't been through what we've been through. We have to hide what we've been through. We're not, you know, like just all of the emotions of uh, everything unraveling and we have nothing but time here. All we have is each other, you know, so we're trying to get through this, but have no clue how to process everything that we're doing, you know, like, yeah. and getting through. And um, I, I turned to drinking just mm-hmm. to numb myself because I knew that that was a solution for me. Like I could right. numb it. I know how to numb it. And, and then I can get through it because I can't get through it if I have to feel it. You know? And you and you saw that growing up, too. So sometimes we create some of the same patterns and things that we're exposed to as a child as a copia. Yeah. Yes, that was my coping mechanism. Um, later down the line, you know, I, a year from, from, um, us being here, uh, I went back home for my cousin's wedding and I was reunited with my very first boyfriend, Tony, that I mentioned (laughs) in the beginning (laughs) and then like sparks flew, let me tell you, (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm (laughs) Katy Perry. Fourth of July fireworks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I had moved already to Florida. He was in Minnesota. He was still living the street life. I'm like, yeah. there's no way that this could work. You know, I had uh, started bringing my kids to church down here just to find some type of stability, have yeah. community support, yeah, community and friends. You know, and and uh but yet yet and still i was still drinking very heavily but i was reunited with him and he was like i'm gonna i feel something for you like i'm coming to florida to meet to come spend time with you i'm like yeah right you're not (laughs) (laughs) couple months later he came in and visit um a year we like we spent a year dating long distance and he proposed to me (gasps) yeah like a year later <laughs> so i'm like okay they are still good men out here <laughs> let me tell you i was so terrified to get into a relationship i think god knew exactly what he was doing by having us be in a long distance relationship because it allowed my kids to heal mm-hmm. um, from the everything they went through with their dad it allowed yeah. me to heal and allowed me and tony to build a friendship to build trust to build relationship without having um, you know, in, in distance, we were able to build the things that really matter. Right. So like mm-hmm. all those things, you don't have to be close in distance to create 
yeah. you know, and that's so powerful, you know. Um, so things just continue to happen. And, uh, you know, we started spending more and more time, me going up there, him coming down here, him building a relationship with my kids. He was very respectful of my kids and their wishes. We decided not to move in together until we got married. Um, that way awesome. he could work on like building relationship with my kids and making sure that they could trust him. Trust him. Yeah. 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 And my kids love him. Like it happened so organically. Oh, this is so yeah. Yeah. And then like during that time, our relationship with God had developed and Tony would come down here. We'd go to church together. We would go to church as a family. Um, and it really allowed us to heal from our past. Cause like I said, he comes from the streets too. And there's a lot of trauma yeah. from both of us, you know? Um, but the more we built our relationship with God and Jesus Christ, the more healing came upon us and the more yeah. we were able to walk in love and unity with each other and build that and with the kids too. Yeah. You guys are a beautiful couple. Thank you. Just if anyone's listening, they have so much chemistry and love for each other. Yeah. I, I love seeing your pictures. Thank you. And I was blessed with a stepson because he has a, a child too. So we have four kids together. Um we're a blended, beautiful blended family, um, and now have a grandson as well. Oh, it's, yeah, Your grandma. <laughs> yes, I'm a grandma now, <laughs> a young grandma. Yes, <laughs> but um, during that time of us being him reuniting, I was still struggling with addiction. He was actually drinking and, and doing opioids at that time too, yeah. and kind of living the street life. And so we kind of fed off each other for a little bit. Yeah, um, but knowing what my kids and the trauma they went through my husband now told me like we, when we get married in 2018 we cannot bring any alcohol or drugs into our relationship because we both don't want that for our future we don't want it for our kids we want to continue to grow in god and healing of everything and be able to help other people you know yeah um, that come from what we come from and the brokenness that we come from, we right. want other people to have the opportunity to feel whole again, you know? Right. And and we have that opportunity with each other, with God and the family that we have, you know? And and uh, we didn't plan for any of this. It was just so, it just happened, you know? And um, and so he, he got sober in 2017. The first time I tried to get sober was 2014. Mm-hmm. And, um... My dad did an intervention on me because my drinking had become so heavy. Yeah. Um, and told me, like, you need to get it together. You have kids that are looking at you and you're all that they have, you know. Um, yeah. So I went I went to like an outpatient treatment mm-hmm. and I drank the whole time. I felt miserably. I was like, let me just clean myself up a little bit and make it look pretty on the outside, yeah. you know. Yeah. Failed miserably, but I was able to hold it in and kind of like, clean myself up a little bit but then it progressively got worse and worse yeah. and then and then I had another intervention done on me on 2017 mm-hmm. with like my husband my dad my stepmom um and and they told me that if I didn't stop drinking they were gonna I, you know I wasn't gonna be able to work I, did, I wouldn't have a car like all mm-hmm. these things and so I I went into a treatment facility and I patient I was they Okay. And then it was like partial in, partial out. Got it. Okay. So then I um, I was able to get clean for like a year. Mm-hmm. 
After that first year, my cousin was killed in a domestic violence incident. And I was still struggling with the trauma from my domestic violence situation and just everything. And uh, my cousin was murdered. Her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Killed her, killed himself and her roommate. So uh, it was horrible. Um, and it that just, I, I, to me, I looked at that as a reason to drink. Right. Uh, like, you know, I, I, I didn't want to feel the guilt of, of like survivor's guilt and just, I knew what it was like to have a gun to my head. And, and my cousin had to feel that. And I, I, the flashbacks of that and like just everything, the nightmare of yeah. that. It triggered you. It triggered. It re-triggered all what you went through, and you like that could have been me, or maybe you know. Sometimes when we're in all these situations or dealing with trauma, sometimes we're like, well, maybe it should have been me, or yeah, just yeah. What makes me so good that I I got out? Like I don't deserve that. She could have. She was younger than me. She could have did more than me. You know, like all those thoughts and everything. And I used that as a reason to drink, and I I started drinking very heavily again. Shortly after that, my aunt of uh, was married to her husband 33 years. He killed her, then killed himself. Uh-huh. So another domestic abuse thing in 2020. I lost nine people, uh, either family members, between family members and friends. Nine people that I knew had passed in the year of 2020. Wow. And I used all of that to drink, you know. And my drink, it just became so heavy like it started making me physically ill i was sick if i didn't drink i was sick if i did drink um i couldn't live without drinking like it became an obsession of my mind i couldn't i could not not drink you know um and my kids would beg me my husband would beg me please stop and i I couldn't stop you know i had to be physically removed i checked myself into treatment december 26 of 2020 the day off a tree uh after christmas and um so now i have two years so just a little over two years of sobriety <laughs> that's amazing yes <laughs> so through uh sobriety came a lot of healing i was able to actually tend to myself and get the therapy that i needed to heal from yeah. my childhood yeah. to heal from my past and and those things you know um and then uh I got out of treatment and really just indulged in the program and, and working the AA program. Mm-hmm. I now sponsor other women to help keep other women sober. I go into treatment facilities. I go into detox centers and speak and, and kind of tell my story. Thank you. <laughs> so, and you guys, so you are running a business as well, right? Yes. Yep. Husband? So, yes. <laughs> My husband and I, too, were just able to close. We um, brought a franchise. Um, it's called Three Natives, and we sell, like, juices and wraps and um, acai bowls and just the health, healthy foods, healthy living. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so we're super excited about that because it's like a family-owned business, and our kids will get to be involved in that as well. Super pumped about that. That's my husband now does prison ministry as well through our church. Very cool. Yeah. So, and then I am like in the recovery, freedom and care part of our church um, and just helping as many people as we can in our community. We're super involved in the church. Our church is launching a new campus. We're going to be part of the launch team. That's great. So we have a 
so many good things coming up for us this year that I'm super excited about. <laughs> I love all of this. Yeah. You have had so many things happen in your life and you are thriving right now and you continue to thrive. What keeps you inspired on a daily basis? I think just, you know, love, faith, and hope. Uh, those are uh, major pillars in my life. The relationship that I have a been able to develop with God uh, has saved me in so many ways and brought so much healing in my life. And just yeah. loving on other people, you know, yeah. no matter where they are in life. Like, yeah. I never thought that I would be at this point, you know, 10 years ago. I never thought that I would be a homeowner that I would own a business, I'm, I, we're business owners, that my kids are thriving. My kids are healthy. They're all in a good space right now, mm -hmm. you know, and and they have stability. We've been in the same place for 10 years. Like, what? <laughs> that might not be big for some people. That is huge for me. <laughs> no. Uh, Josie, yeah. thank you so much this has been amazing and thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable and inspiring because you're an amazing person and you bring so much light and acceptance to people um thank you so much you're welcome